Welcome back to Body Talk with Bex. This week, I had the opportunity of speaking with Kylie, who was also born with bladder extrophy, and I wanted to give a few definitions of some medical terms that will be thrown around in this episode and that are fairly common in the bladder extrophy world before jumping into the actual interview. So to start with, a bladder augmentation is a procedure where the bladder is enlarged. So the top of the bladder is cut open, then a piece of the small or large intestine is removed and detubularized and attached to the cut open bladder. They are then sewn together and this thus creates kind of like a patch for the bladder essentially, making it larger. Next, a bladder neck wrap is when tissue typically sourced from the muscles that form the bladder wall are used to wrap around the bladder neck, making it narrower. Deflux is an injectable gel used to treat reflux. So reflux is when urine backflows into the ureters and kidneys. Deflux, this injectable gel, is injected into the bladder wall where the ureter meets the bladder. An osteomity is a surgical procedure that involves cutting bone to reshape or realign bones. In this case, it is used to restore the sling of the pelvic floor muscles, thus reducing tension in the closed bladder and the lower abdominal wall and promoting continence. So urodynamic studies are tests that kind of show how well the bladder, sphincters, and urethra are holding and releasing urine. They show how well the bladder works and why there could be leakage or blockages. There are several types of urodynamics that are usually typically performed together. I'm just going to list off a few ones that are pretty common. So the first one is systometry, is a pressure flow study that is used to measure how much urine the bladder can hold. It also measures the pressure inside the bladder and how full it is when you have to go. Electromyography is a test that tests the electrical activity of the muscles and nerves in the pelvic floor. So this test measures the strength as well as the activity of the muscles. Urophlometry measures how much urine comes out and how fast. This test is typically used to show uh, if there's a blockage and where it is. The voiding pressure study measures the pressure in your bladder as you urinate. So a void pressure catheter will be in place while you go, and it will measure how much the bladder muscles are working. And this last one is not a urodynamics test, but it is a common test that I've had and referenced a few times in previous episodes. A cystoscopy allows your doctor to examine the lining of your bladder and urethra. A cystoscope, which is a hollow tube equipped with a lens at the end, is inserted into your urethra and slowly advanced into your bladder. And uh, those are all of the medical terms that I wanted to define today. If you want to learn more about any one of these things, I have all kinds of resources in the show notes, so make sure to check that out. And now we will jump into our interview with Kylie.
thanks for chatting with me. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm always excited to meet more bladder extrafee people. I never really knew anyone else with bladder extrafee growing up. So I think you're the second person that I've actually met and talked to about bladder extrafee. So no way. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. I mean, you're in, you're moving to California, back to California. Yes. Yeah. Are you in in California right now? We're in Washington right now. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. That's cool. We're both from California. (laughs) Yeah. What part of Washington? I'm in Seattle. Oh, cool. That's where I had a lot of my surgery. (laughs) Me too. Seattle Children's. Yep. Yes. I saw Dr. Mitchell and Dr. Grady. (laughs) yeah Dr. Mitchell was the best (laughs) yes I know when he retired or like moved to Wisconsin I was so sad I was like what we followed him to Wisconsin no way yeah we saw him in Wisconsin like three years before he actually like retired Mm -hmm. yeah but when he retired it was it was a sad moment (laughs) yeah and do you who do you see now I don't have a regular urologist right now. I probably should. Yeah. But I don't. (laughs) It's hard, like, when you're getting, like, when you're older, it's like, where the heck do I go? (laughs) You're like, my parents did all this research for me. (laughs) No, literally, that's what I've been dealing with this year. I'm like, wait, I actually need a urologist that actually knows what they're doing so like how do I do this <laughs> you can't just like see any random urologists I've had to explain to urologists like what bladder extrafee is yeah kind of ridiculous yeah I'm like this is what's happening and they're like doesn't sound like something we can help you with I'm like okay right. so you see. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like I don't know like somebody I'm like well I don't want to pay to go to like Maryland but, yeah. So recently I found a doctor at the primary children's in Salt Lake. That's actually like, hey, yeah, we'll take you in. And even though I'm like an adult now. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's been really nice. Good. So you have a regular person and, and you like them. They know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they know what they're doing. I was so happy because. I've been having like a lot of infections lately and just like a bunch of random issues. Yeah. And I was like seeing an adult urologist, but they, they were like, we know what blood extrafee is, but we're not like specialists. And I'm like, ah, so then I ended up like going on this journey to find a specialist. And so now, yeah, I see a doctor, Dr. Schaefer and he's really cool. Amazing. That's great. I had a bunch of problems crop up when I went away to college too. Yeah. I don't know if it's just like that transition period from like kid, teenage to adulthood that your bladder is just like, ah, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. So did your parents know that you were going to have bladder extrafy like before you were born or? No, they didn't. <laughs> yeah. I feel yeah. like that seems to be a general consensus. Yeah, especially for people that are, like, not younger than, like, or that are older than, like, 8 or 10. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the, like, younger generations, they're like, yeah, we found it on ultrasound. But for me, 
Yeah. They couldn't even find if I was like a male or a female on the ultrasound. Like, oh, wow. This is so weird. We can't tell if your baby's a boy or a girl. I guess we'll have to wait till when they're born. (laughs) How funny. I don't think I ever asked my mom if they knew ahead of time, like what gender I was going to be. But I remember when I was, uh, uh, well, I don't remember, obviously, but like she told me (laughs) that when I was like first born, they didn't know what gender I was. And the doctor was like, I think she's a female. She has all of the right parts for a female, but I'm going (laughs) to just double check. And then she like in front of my mom was like showing her, oh, like, well, here's all of her ovaries and stuff. So clearly it's a female. My mom's like, I don't care. I just want you to put my child back together. I don't want to see her insides. Yeah, no, that's actually very similar to what happened. My mom had me and she was like, so is it a boy or girl? And they were like, I think it's a girl. Yeah. And they're like, you think? And then they're like, I think that's a bladder. Oh, my gosh. And was like, oh. <laughs> and so then she also was like, so what do we do? <laughs> So what now? You gonna fix yeah. it? <laughs> Literally. Yeah. yeah. And then they tried to put it back in. Like that doctor was like, I think I can put it back in. And this was just like a random doctor in California and yeah. in Sacramento area. And so he was like, I think I can put it back in. So then they tried and then it came back out. Like a couple weeks later, my mom and dad were like, What is happening? Oh and my gosh. Yeah. And they, my grandma had just gotten a computer. This was in 1999. <laughs> right. So my grandma was like, I am going to search on the internet. <laughs> so she went on to some kind of like forum that had talked about bladder atrophy, kind of like the Facebook groups, but back then it was not Facebook. That had been invented yet. Yeah. Yeah, they were like, uh, you need to get your granddaughter out of there and take her to somewhere where they actually know what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So then they took me up to Washington and then I had a lot of my surgeries. Yeah. Washington. Yeah. How long? Well, when was your first surgery? Like my first surgery, I was only two hours. Yeah. So when I... I think they waited till the next day because I think that doctor didn't know what he was doing. So that's what I yeah. was told. I was told he, my mom's like, I swear he went home and read up on it and then did it. Oh, I 100% <laughs> like, believe that. Our doctor didn't know what he was doing either. He legit didn't know it was a bladder. She saw him like flipping through a textbook trying to figure out what it was. And no, then when he found what it was, I wound up being airlifted out from Santa Cruz down to Stanford and they had a specialist there that actually like knew what he was doing and was able to put everything back but that's good (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah my bladder was came back out and then they flew me up to Dr. Mitchell and he put it he did the closure again I think I was like two weeks old oh wow and then they did like an augmentation and then they did a lot of random stuff. And so I had surgeries from like when I was a newborn, like every year until I was like 12. Yeah. Cause I just, they, it was a lot of trial and error. Oh, for, yeah. For me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm just trying to think of like what what the process would have been like how did it come back out yeah just like not close you up properly like I have I don't know because my mom was like it was so weird you're like it like came back out of my stitches like slowly it looked like infected but then just like back out I was like what yeah yeah no I'm like I'm glad I don't remember that (laughs) yeah that's gnarly wow my mom and dad were like freaking out my mom was yeah my mom was like apparently this doctor was at like a conference so he wasn't even there and yeah it was like a huge mess oh my gosh yeah Yeah. at least they found Dr. Mitchell like pretty quickly like a couple weeks in we didn't find Dr. Mitchell until I was like three or four okay oh yeah no I'm really grateful they found him pretty soon and then he I was looking through I just recently got all my medical records from Seattle because I have that new doctor now and it's 350 pages long. And the beginning is like these old handwritten charts. Yep. Like patient has a dehist bladder. <laughs> like, it's like all these like stressful things that are happening. I'm like, wow, I'm grateful that they were there to take care of me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know if I could have taken care of <laughs> No, I couldn't have. And apparently there were like a bunch of miracles with like insurance and all that stuff because they weren't even sure they were going to take my insurance to like halfway through my surgery. Oh, my God. They like had me going into surgery with with like not knowing that my insurance was going to cover it or something like that. Like fingers crossed, hoping everything goes through. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, so incredible. I'm very grateful for my parents and all that they they fought a lot for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing a lot from people that I've talked to so far is that their parents have just like done the best they could and like really yeah, looked out for their kids. Yeah. Which like I hope I if I'm ever in that position, I can be as strong as <laughs> as my mom was. Yeah, same. I feel like sometimes even for myself, I always so I'm married and I always turn I'm always looking at my husband I'm like, man, being my own advocate sucks. <laughs> yes, so it harder. does. It's so much harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> so I, I have a lot of phone calls with my mom where I'm like, mom, how did you do this? <laughs> I, yes, have called her a million times asking the same questions yeah she's like you got this I'm like oh okay I do got it. <laughs> awesome well do you want to take us through chronologically then of everything that you can remember like different treatments and surgeries that you had yep so yeah they put my bladder back in the second time when I was really young and then I think when I was around three they did an augmentation. So they augmented my bladder with my bowel. They like reconstructed some stuff. And I think I got them a troughing off around then too. And then a lot of like, after that, I just kept going back because I was very incontinent. So they didn't tie mm-hmm. off my bladder neck. And so they tried to inject like deflex 
and Botox. Yep. <laughs> like, I have all those too. Yeah. Yeah. So they did all those every year. We'd go back and I'm like, okay, we're doing a day procedure tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, yep. I'm like, you're going under anesthesia. And I'm like, okay. I have all those too. Oh yes. <laughs> I just remember a lot of the times though, when I would like wake up, I'd be like, mom, I just peed. And they're like, that's exactly what we didn't want to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so then I, when I was around in fourth grade, I got like a bunch of bladder infections. So they were like, well, we could try doing a bladder neck wrap. So they did a bladder neck wrap. I don't really know what that is, but I know that it failed. <laughs> okay. I, I also, when I was three, I had two, I had an osteotomy and then they did it again. So they, I, a lot of my surgeries I've had multiple times. Wow. So I had two osteotomies. Then they did the bladder neck wrap when I was in fourth grade. And I had a little bit less bladder infections, but then Dr. Grady was like, well, we could augment it again. So then when I was like 11, Dr. Grady and Dr. Mitchell worked together and recon, I mean, augmented my bladder again and then that's when Dr. Mitchell went to Wisconsin and Dr. Grady was my main doctor but then he passed away and so I started seeing a urologist in UC Davis and she did a vaginoplasty for me when I was 16 and she did like random cystoscopies kind of just like like, that's where you go in the camera. Yeah, I, that face was because those are painful and I hate yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I was asleep a lot of the time. <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't like them either. <laughs> so she's done that. And like, I've had polyps apparently in my, Ooh. in my, yeah. So I've had a lot where they just kind of, a lot of maintenance work. And then I recently started getting a bunch of bladder infections again. My mom keeps saying like, I feel like we're in your fourth grade year again. I'm like, I know. (laughs) So then recently, actually last Thursday, they put me under and they like, since it's a new doctor, he was like, okay, I want to get like a lay of the land. I want to see everything. And I also want to like, make sure your stoma is doing okay. Like, because apparently my Mitrofenov is almost going on 20 years. And apparently they're not supposed to last like forever. Oh. <laughs> so he's like, you might need a reconstruction sometime soon. Oh my gosh. Like, oh, okay. And also we're like maybe thinking about having a baby. So there were, it's just like a lot of stuff. So he went in with a gynecologist that knows a lot about extra fee and they did some like testing to see if my fallopian tubes were scarred over and they like checked out my metrophenoff and they found that there was like a flap covering the end of my metrophenoff to my bladder. So that was interesting. Cause then they like cut a hole in it. Cause it, I've been having a hard time mm-hmm. calfing. So they like cut a hole so that there's a more direct path to my bladder. And ever since I've been calfing pretty well and Apparently my fallopian tubes are great. My uterus is great. They're all just kind of in weird places. (laughs) So backtrack a little bit when I was 16, 
I randomly was like, had a bunch of stomach pain and they found out after a year of like a bunch of testing that I was just extremely constipated. So I had like an endoscopy and a colonoscopy and they were like, what the heck is going on? Cause I would just like throw up all the time and they're like, Oh, oh. Yeah, you need to be hospitalized and clean out your bowels. So they put an NG tube in and cleaned out my bowels. Oh and that was awful. And now I just take laxatives like all the time. <laughs> and that just keeps me regular. But they said it could be because of like the scarring in my bowels because of the two augmentations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Scars can really mess with you. Yeah. You're internal like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got that. And then I've also... I also had a lot of back pain when I was in high school because I was doing a lot of sports and they were like, oh, by the way, uh, you don't really have like a pelvic bone like <laughs> connecting your hips. And I was like, oh, and they're like, you should probably not run on hard surfaces, just swim. And I was like, but I'm tennis captain and I play basketball and softball and <laughs> I love sports. That's my life. So, yeah, so that was in high school. Then I stopped kind of running a lot. And then recently, I also have started having a lot of back pain again. So now now I'm figuring things out, trying to do physical therapy and lots of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Finding that happy medium of like just enough working out that you've built the back muscles enough, but like not so much that you're just like damaging yourself at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like growing up, they always were like, you can do anything you want. All it is, you just pee differently than everyone else. And I'm like, okay. So I did everything. Like I played volleyball, basketball, softball. I did leadership. I did Girl Scouts. I did a bunch of like a bunch of stuff. I was always doing stuff. I worked at a movie theater and I, I did a bunch of stuff. And then it was just causing me so much pain. And I was like, I felt so, so frustrated because I was like, I've created this life that I want. And now it's kind of feels like it's like being taken away because my body can't do the things I want to do. Right. So that's what I've been going through a lot lately. Like I've had to quit like my past three jobs just because like my back hurts so bad. And it's weird because it's not just like, it's not just one thing that makes it hurt. It's very like day to day. Mm. Like, okay, well, I just sat for too long. So now I'm hurting and then I'm standing too long or I'm twisting or just random stuff. So it's been a very frustrating process. And a lot of doctors saying like, just listen to your body. I'm like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) I'm, I'm like trying. apparently I haven't been listening to my body the whole my whole life so <laughs> yeah oh that's kind of my my what I remember so f- from my growing up surgery and medical appointments yeah what what did you have reconstructed vaginally yeah. So when I was a little, I think Dr. Mitchell reconstructed my, my vag, my vagina. And then when I was 16, they did another reconstruction. I didn't ask very many questions, so I was really uncomfortable about it yeah. <laughs> when, I, when it happened. Yeah. But then 
then when I got married, I was like, uh, I probably should have paid more attention. (laughs) (laughs) So now I'm going to see also my physical therapist and the gynecologist that I'm working with now are also like helping me figure that stuff out as well. They're like, maybe I need to do like, what was it called? Something about estrogen stuff. I have to do stuff with estrogen and dilating and stuff that I didn't know that I needed Hmm. to do. I'm sure you could find like somewhere in those 300 pages of medical history, like exactly (laughs) what they did, but that'd be a nightmare to dig through to find. Yeah, no, I, the craziest thing is when I'm reading through it, because sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm going to read it today. I'm going to understand it. And then I like can only get through a couple pages because I'm like, searching up all of the words and then I get scared because it's kind of scary the things that are being said I'm like wait nobody told me this (laughs) and then I'll like text my mom and be like did you know that they did this and she's like yeah I'm like oh maybe you told me but I just don't remember because it was just in a time in my life when I was younger and didn't understand yeah absolutely yeah so you to use the bathroom are you fully just catheterizing right now so I actually still am not 100% continent so they haven't tied off my bladder neck or anything the deflex never worked the Botox never worked so I just cath every two hours or whenever I feel like I need to but I've actually realized as I've gotten older Like I can just control my urethra a lot more. So I, I think that's the positive that's come from all my sports (laughs) is some reason those muscles have developed more where I barely like leak, but I do just wear like panty liners to be able to like not pee myself, but I normally don't, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, the deflex and Botox always worked for me. And I mean, it always like wore, wore off. Like after a year, so we went back every year and had to have it done again. But mm-hmm. I was really into dance a lot. And I got like really serious about it during like high school and college. And like at a certain point, Dr. Mitchell said I didn't need to have the deflux anymore just because like all the physical activity that I was doing, like built it up enough. So yeah, definitely a plus side, but uh yeah, not great when you're older and you kind of stop dancing as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome that it always worked, though. I always wonder, I feel like when I was a kid, I was like, I always felt kind of guilty because I'd come out and be like, okay, does this work? And then I would try to pee. And so I'm like, what if I just ruined all those surgeries just because I like put pressure or something on it? I'm like, I don't know. I also have a lot of anxiety. (laughs) So I think about a lot of those things. I'm like, who knows? But I can't worry about it now because it already happened. Now we can focus on today and the future. But so I don't know. I always wonder. I'm like, what if I had deflux now? (laughs) Right. Who knows? Maybe it would work. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it'd work. But maybe I don't even need it because I'm trying. I've been trying to swim a lot more to keep my body like in shape and because they said like the more that I'm in shape and active like the better I'll feel but also like 
the better my metrophenol will work and the longer it'll last. Interesting. Yeah. Cause they said like, if I get, if I keep gaining, if I gain a lot of weight, like it could kink off my, my metrophenol or make it like not work as well. Interesting. I guess that makes sense if you actually think about it. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm like, but I like chocolate. <laughs> I also like, I also, since I've been getting a lot of like bladder infections, they think my body might be like overworking itself. So I'm developing some kind of an autoimmune thing. Oh no. Well, so I've been really exhausted the past six months because I, so I'm on like anti-inflammatories and all these stuff. So I'm trying to stay active, but also like heal myself. Right. <laughs> Cause it's, yeah, it's just this whole like, okay, what is every moment of every day is just different. Yeah. And it takes a lot of patience, which is not something that I excel in. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I'm a very big, I'm very like, I don't know how to explain it. I'm very, I like get things done. Yeah. <laughs> and I do things and I'm organized and I love it. But when I can't control my life, it's scary. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I think it's just, we're also so used to like having so much uncertainty, like growing up with everything that we try to just control everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think I'm very yeah. much the same way. Yeah, I've noticed that a lot where I'm like, well, at least I control how often I cast or right. like there's the, the amount of stuff that I feel like I felt growing up. There's so much pressure I had to like I had to irrigate. I had to flush like I had to cast or else like I was going to get sick or I was going to have my bladder explode. So I'm like now I'm like, OK, what are the things I can control? Because there's so many things that you just can't. Right. Absolutely. So did you go to a regular school or like, how were you with all of your medical things? How was schooling and like friends and hobbies? I mean, you already touched on like that you were into a lot of hobbies, like high school and stuff, but I'm just mm -hmm. curious what your schooling was like, because I missed a lot of school and we wound up actually homeschooling because there was no way I could keep up with a regular. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So I did go to public school from kindergarten till the end of high school. And I, I actually went to all of college as well. And I just graduated with my bachelor's. So I did all of that like in person, except for COVID, but <laughs> all of like, no, I did regular schooling. The only year that I almost didn't pass was fourth grade when I was so sick all yeah. the time. My mom was like so scared that I was going to have to redo fourth grade. But they I my mom and dad both really wanted me to like have a quote unquote like normal childhood as mo as much as yep. I could. So they like tried to treat me as much as like just like my siblings and like sent me to normal school, had me do normal hobbies and activities. But it was interesting because I feel like there was this like I always kind of put on this show of like I am a normal person, but internally I never really talked about how I was really feeling about having extra fee and things like that. It was kind of just like a party trick 
growing up to me. Yeah. So like, like growing up in elementary school, I remember I would have like friends go to the nurse's office with me and like, I'd be like, guys, come in. I am going to pee out of my belly button. And they'd be like, ah! <laughs> and so like everybody always really knew that I would go to the nurse and like, I would tell people and I always had a lot of, I was very social. So like I did student council, like all of high school and middle school, I was in band. I I did a lot of stuff. I just did a lot of stuff and knew a lot of people. And so I feel like I had a relatively like average, like growing up experience, but I think I internalized a lot of like my feelings because it was so unique to all the people around me. And I never like I knew people that had bladder extrophy because my mom started like a nonpro like a group when I was literally like one. So like every year growing up, I would go and go to this camp where people had bladder extrophy. And then when I was 11, I'd go to youth rally and know more people that had extrophy and related conditions. And so I always thought like, Oh, I'm, I'm fine. Cause all these other people are going through it with me. I'm not alone, but I never really like talked about the really hard stuff that kind of affected my self image. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of people were like, oh, she's just like really social, really positive, really talented. There's nothing wrong in her life. She even has like this birth defect, but it doesn't really affect her because it just kind of makes her have a superpower where she can pee out of her belly button. (laughs) But internally for me, it was like, uh, I'm not like everyone else here. I always have to be thinking about like, okay, am I cathing? Is like, do I have a bladder infection? Am I clean enough? Can I go swimming? Because is this like a clean place or not a clean place? And like a lot of self image things I really struggled with. Like an average teenager, like I did like, like, oh, I'm, I always would be like, I'm so fat, even though I wasn't fat. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but then on top of that, I had a bunch of scars. And I always knew that like my genitalia wasn't normal but I never really like was the type of person to look up stuff. (laughs) So I'd be like, well, I don't know what it's supposed to look like, but I'm freaking out because what if no one will like me because of this? And it was just a lot of internal stress that I never really talked about because it was just uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, so I, I feel like I, my parents did the best they could and I did the best I could. But then when I was in college, I realized like, and when, when I, Once I was like with my significant other and I was in college, I was like, oh, wait, I don't have to hold all this stuff in. And I can actually like talk to professionals who can help me with all this stuff. Yeah, that's something I wish I had when I was in high school and middle school and elementary school, because I never talked to a professional or anyone I just was like haha life's great yeah I think it's interesting that like looking back because I totally agree with like looking back on it I wish I had been talking to someone about things like that about all of the things that I internalized and like I've only recently started seeing someone and talking about things and Mm -hmm. I just think it's so funny thinking like oh I wish I would have it's like would I really have talked to someone though at that age I probably would have just sat there and been like I don't understand the point of this (laughs) why I'm here and talking about it 
Yes, that's literally me. I was like, my nickname was Smiley Kylie. I always was like, life is great. <laughs> like I never, I always focused on the positive. So I feel like if I talked to someone, I'd be like, I don't know why I need to talk to you. You know? Yeah. So I, it's interesting, but I wonder, the other thing I wonder is if people had brought things up or asked me specific questions, I would have been able to process things but I think everything happens for a reason at a right time so I think once I did start having those conversations I was like oh yeah I I am emotionally mature enough to have these kind of conversations and recognize this part of my life that I would probably not have opened up about before yeah Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like now I'll talk about the emotional side of things too. But like back then, if someone asked me a question, it would have been all like prattling off all the physical things going on, all of the surgeries and scars and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, this one's from this. And like, this one's from when I was little. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, this scar is cool, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So your mom started a bladder atrophy community when you were little that's pretty cool so she was pretty involved then super involved she still is she started it with our awesome friend Doug Doug Kreitz his daughter also has atrophy and so they both they my mom had gone to like a I think it was a ABC thing in Seattle like a camp or something when I was really like really really young and she's like we need one of these for california and somehow she got connected with doug then they started the group and it really it just kind of blossomed because like when i was graduating high school i think around 2017 it became a nonprofit. so like wow it's been going on for 22 or 23 years now And it's really fun because now I'm on the board and it's fun to like think about ways to help kids that were just like me and help people that are just like me and help myself, you know? Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's so cool. I've met some of my best friends through that. (laughs) That's I'm like, oh, it's crazy. You only like you haven't talked to so many people. I'm like, you should come (laughs) with us. We go camping every year, but I also... This year, I started like a like a couple months ago, actually. I was like, well, I really feel like I wish I just kind of had personal connections with people that had extra fee and that I talked to them a lot more. So I started like a Zoom call every month. So anyone who wants to join that has extra fee, we just hop on Zoom once a month and just chat. And it's actually been like one of the best things and most healing things for me because it's helped me realize like, oh, I'm not the only one feeling these like emotions and has given me a spot to like talk about them with people that relate. That's really cool. Yeah, it's super cool. And it's really fun because we also play like games. So we play like two truths and a lie. And it was so funny because one person was like, I pee out of my belly button as one of the, as one of their things. And then everyone's like, well, that has to be true. But then they were like someone that didn't have a metrophenol. So it was just like, it was, we all just laughed so hard. That's pretty so funny. It, 
It's very funny. And it's fun because like people join from all over the U.S. and other countries. Like I I have some friends in Argentina that have extra fee that they have a nonprofit there. So it's just like so cool to be able to connect with so many people. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's it's crazy because I feel like there's so many people that don't know of the resources that there are because I'm like, okay, so now I'm going to get a master's degree starting in August. And so it's a degree in like interdisciplinary studies. So I'm going to be studying education, nonprofit management and human values. Oh, wow. Yeah. And one of the things I want to do is like help the extra fee community through the Black Extra Fee Support Team nonprofit. And so I was like, I want to help make sure there's more resources and help people get the resources that are out there. Because I feel like even me being connected to my mom and through the nonprofit this whole time, there's still so many more. Like It's still uh, so hard to find sources, even when you're like part of the community and supposedly know like where to go to find sources. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Literally, I'm like, I my doctor, the new one that I just found, he literally has a therapist that knows what extra fee is and specializes in like talking to people about those specific issues. Oh my gosh. And I just started talking to her like last month and I was like, what? Like, who are you? Where did this come from? And like physical therapists that know like the pelvic floor specific therapies that extra fee patients need. And just like so many different resources that are out there that I'm like, what the heck? I wish I knew about these and I hope I can help more people, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And I, and the other thing is like growing up, once you're out of the pediatric world, like I don't know what to do as an adult. And a lot of my friends that are also adults, they're like, I don't know. I haven't seen a doctor in five years. Yep. I'm like, okay, so how do you, how do I help you? <laughs> like, how do I help you know that you should see a doctor? Number one, and number two, who do you even see? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the other side of that too, is like struggling with insurance. Cause like, depending on oh your gosh. insurance, you have to see like specific people, but if they don't know your specialty of what you need, like you're kind of just stuck. Yeah. And then it can get expensive. Oh my gosh. It can get so expensive and I'm so scared for, so right now I'm on my dad's insurance, but I'm so scared for when I have to be on my own and so I've actually been looking like into disability stuff because right now like holding a job with my unstable health has been super hard and so I'm like well how am I going to be able to hold a job and get good insurance and then I'm freaking out so it's it's just a and then getting disability and all that those benefits like the insurance that comes with that even though it's not like the best insurance it is better than other insurances (laughs) so that's why I'm like well but even if you want to get that you have to get like lawyers and go through a bunch of years of stuff so I'm like this is stupid (laughs) yeah it's they make it too hard yeah it's really hard and this is crazy when I got it so I got a Eurodynamics test like a month ago 
And I also don't like those. I hate those. <laughs> I was going to say, you saw my face, didn't you? I freaking hate oh, those. Yeah. Those were the worst. Oh, those were traumatizing as a child. Yes. And so I was so scared to get one. And now then I got it and I was like, that, yeah, I don't like those. But the doctor that was doing it, he was talking about a research study that just was done. And they did. This is what I remember. So I don't know if it's 100% fact. Okay. This is what I remember. He said that they compared urological birth defects to other birth defects and how much they costed. And they found that the urologic, urological ones did cost more than even like heart disease patients and all those. <laughs> and, and this is just like from birth to the age of three. And so then they compared all of the bladder ones and the most expensive birth defect was bladder extrophy. Wow. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) That, yeah. And even the maintenance, like, it's terrifying. Like if I'm, if I randomly can't get my catheter in and have to go to the ER and it's so expensive. Yeah. It's so expensive. And even just getting like the medical supplies. Yeah. And with the saline shortage right now, the medical companies can't send it to us with our insurance. So if we want saline, we're going to even have to go find it somewhere else and pay that out of pocket or make it ourselves, which isn't super sanitary. Right. So I'm just like, oh, it's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's so much. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just remembering like my mom arguing with the insurance companies <laughs> just so I could get catheters <laughs> delivered every month. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. I think it's because we were using the male catheters with my Mitrofenov. And so they yeah. were arguing with us that they wouldn't cover the cost of the male ones because I was female. Yeah, but the female ones don't go to your bladder. They're so short. Thank you. Yes, they don't go. That's why we have to use the male ones. Yeah, it yeah. is so stupid. Oh. I've tried the Vimo ones before. I'm like, the catheter's like at the tip of my metrophonov and I'm like bending over the toilet. That doesn't work. <laughs> it does not work. That would create such a mess. <laughs> <laughs> it did. I, I think they accidentally sent me those one month and that's why I was like, well, I guess I need to use them. It was terrible. <laughs> so I think what we learned from that is only use male catheters. Anyone with metrofenov yes. out there? <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. And my, uh, I always, always growing up when they'd say male on them, all my friends would always be like, "Why do they say male?" Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Think- I'm like, oh, I don't know. They're long. <laughs> yeah, I never really and- understood what the difference really was until like I was older. Yeah, I never used a female one, so I I didn't really know what the difference was. Yeah, yeah. Female ones short because the female urethra is shorter. Yes, goes longer. I mean, it makes sense once you think about yes. it. But <laughs> yeah, when I was a kid, also I was like, I'm not a male. Why do I need these ones? Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I assume then, since your mom was so like involved with the bladder extrophy community that her communication like with you was really good about like what was going on and like all of your surgeries and things. I feel like she did the best that she could. She talked to me. They very much like tried to give me a voice 
which I think was very kind and thoughtful, but also very stressful because I was like, I'm nine like, <laughs> or like, I'm so young. They're trying explaining to me all these things. But what like that's a lot of pressure, you know, and even me right now, I think I get stressed about making medical decisions because I'm like, uh, I don't know but what's best for me. But a lot of the time I'm like, OK, let's just trust the doctors. But I think my parents have been very weary of trusting the doctors because of their experiences. Yeah. So even with the doctor that I'm seeing now, my mom is really worried. Like that's something that's not right is going to be done just based off of her experience. So I think I'm really grateful for all that she does and the communication she does give to me, but sometimes it is stressful. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, oh man, I had to do big kid things as a, like adult things as a kid, yeah. which definitely prepared me, but also was really hard. Yeah. I can say that. I mean, I think it definitely helped prepare me to have conversations with doctors like as an adult, when I was finally going by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like when I was 16, I was going to the doctor by myself because <laughs> my mom was like, you can go. You've done this a million times. I'm like, I know, but I like having my mom. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. I made my mom go with me to all my appointments until I actually moved away for college. Yeah. She came out <laughs> and visited like when I was graduating, like I walked at graduation in, in April and I had a, I had an ultrasound scheduled at 6 a.m. the day that I was graduating. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, Mom, you want to come for old time's sake? (laughs) She came and held my hand. So I was like, (laughs) I just like having my mom there, you know? Oh, yeah. It's even you can do it by yourself. It's comforting. (laughs) Yes. It literally is so comforting. It's a good sounding board. Like if you have to make a decision on anything to be like, mom, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not yeah. like alone trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. And it's good that they don't like my mom and dad are both are really good at like respecting what I choose. And I really appreciate that. And I feel like they've given me those tools to be able to make wise decisions for my health. So I'm, I'm really grateful. That's good. That's really good. I don't know about you, but when I go to the doctor's office, I just because my mom can't physically go with me doesn't mean I don't text her the entire appointment. (laughs) Hey, I'm in the waiting room. Okay, now I'm in the room. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Doctor wants to do this, this, and this. Like, can I see a picture? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I designate my husband to text her. She, te- he, she texts him. She's like, how's it going? He's like, IV in. <laughs> <laughs> or like right after that's when I call her. I like go out of the appointment. I'm in the cart. And then I call my mom, give her the whole update before I forget what happened. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I will forget. Like half, oh, yeah. half of what's said. Yep. Yeah. Last week when I got out of the outpatient surgery, I was literally loopy and I called my mom. I was like, mom, I just wanted to let you know I'm okay. (laughs) Good to hear. Uh, What did they tell you? And I'm like, I can't. I'm too tired. (laughs) But like, it is definitely like a comfort and a habit to call my mom every time I leave any medical facility. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even if it's just her giving you like the encouragement of like, yeah, you did the right thing. Yeah. You made the good decision. Things like that. It's like, okay. Yeah. 
I'm an adult. Yeah. <laughs> I'm adulting. I can do this. I'm taking care of myself. It's so hard. It is so hard to take care of yourself. And I, yeah, it, it, that's what I've realized this year. I'm like, this is hard. <laughs> I'm too exhausted for this sometimes. Yeah. That's the other thing too, is like dealing with all of the insurance and like looking into disability stuff. When you do have like a disability and you're exhausted all the time, it's so much to handle. One would think they'd make the process a little bit more streamlined and like easier. Like the people impacted are the ones going through the process. Yeah. Like, shouldn't you make it easier on them versus harder? Yeah. Amen, sister. (laughs) I 100% agree. (laughs) So I want to talk about what you're dealing with today. You've mentioned you've been struggling with UTIs. Do you do anything else like on a daily basis, like medications or preventive care that you do to like kind of help? I mean, we kind of talked about caffeine as well a little bit, but... Yeah. So right now on a daily basis, what I'm like struggling with is like my energy from all of the infections, just like weighing on my immune system. Yeah. So I'm taking Celebrex, which is an (laughs) anti-inflammatory. Yeah. But it's helping. I swear you've been on all of the same medications that I've been on. Oh my gosh. Yeah. it, It, I, yeah. So I, I'm on that right now. I'm also taking iron because apparently I'm low on iron and I'm low on vitamin D. So I'm also taking vitamin D. Oh my gosh. So, and I'm also still struggling with constipation. So I take two laxative pills in the morning and drink a very gut healthy smoothie daily, if I remember. <laughs> But I try. I try, but it's just like, it's a lot of stuff. It is a lot of stuff. (laughs) And so then I'm also trying to prevent infections. So I'm doing that by trying to drink a bunch of water, irrigate. I'm I'm literally like with my doctor. I text him all the time if I like barely get a symptom or anything, which is really good. I've been getting like infections that can only be treated by like IV antibiotics. Hmm. or shots and so that's really been frustrating because i don't like ivs oh, who does <laughs> or shots and my veins <laughs> like to hide from them so. <laughs> me too i have the tiniest freaking veins yeah like that's just a familial thing though like a bunch of my oh. aunts my grandpa like everybody has tiny veins Yep. Same with mine. Literally my mom, she has such a hard time getting them in. I'm like, bro, can you see any veins on my hands? No, you can't. (laughs) Everyone's like, yeah, you are a really hard stick. I'm like, yeah. And I've had so many IVs. I've learned to just like not freak out and just be like, yep, it's okay. Try again. (laughs) Yeah. As long as they don't dig, I don't care. Yeah. Oh, when they start digging around, I'm like, just poke me again. I don't care. I prefer, yeah, I prefer it actually if you pull out and do again, because that's freaking painful. Yeah, super painful. And then I'm also with the back pain. I am working on physical therapy with a specialist. I have like a back brace that I wear when I, they told me to use it like ibuprofen kind of. (laughs) So they're 
like, if you feel like you should take ibuprofen, wear this back brace. And so yesterday, like my back was really hurting. I was like, okay, ibuprofen time. And I didn't take ibuprofen, but I put the brace on and it actually like helped a ton. Oh, that's good. Oh, they, yeah, they said I might have, or they said I have like arthritis that developed in my SI joints. Mm. So that's kind of like the relief system. I also got like steroid shots in my SI joints, which was also a very weird experience if you ever have to go through. <laughs> but and then also on a daily basis, like I'm still figuring out sexual intimacy and things yep. like that and figuring all that kind of stuff out and pleasure and things because it is just more difficult it is and so much more difficult than I feel like it should be but I'm really glad you said that because yeah that's definitely something that I've struggled with quite a bit as well yeah yeah and it, it's so frustrating because I'm like I want to be physically intimate yeah I mean you have a partner everybody wants that yeah I want to have that like I want to have that connection I know my husband like wants to have that connection and he's so patient with me but I'm also like man this sucks I want to feel good right now but for some reason it's stupid and it hurts (laughs) so we're figuring that out I'm working with some people like doctors and stuff but it's a lot longer of a process than I thought yeah (laughs) I thought I'd just be like here dilate and you'll be fine (laughs) it's a lot more like like work and you have to go through like oh is this just like me emotionally like not connecting and then I'm like no like definitely not it (laughs) definitely not that like I have to just kind of sometimes shut off like what media says about sexual intimacy and like what I even if you search up things like, oh, how do you uh, like love being sexual? Like, I don't know. It's not the same for extrovert patients. No, it's not. Hard to accept that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it is a journey. I don't know why I never thought of like actually talking to a doctor about it. Yeah, it's helped. Like. I. This estrogen treatment thing is actually helping a lot (laughs) and made it a lot less painful. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. I prefer things to not be painful. (laughs) And I prefer things to not even just not be painful, but I want a pleasurable experience too, you know? Yeah. So a lot of trial and error figuring things out. Yeah. It's a lot going on. Yeah, I'm like, well, if I'm like, not on a public podcast. If you want to talk more, I can. There's a lot of random trial and error. I talk with my friend. She lives in North, North New Jersey, and we talk about it a lot. I'm like, so have you tried this before? <laughs> I feel like it's good to be able to have people to talk to about it because there's some stuff that I didn't even think about yeah. that helped. Where I'm like, oh, is this just weird? And then I'm like, no, this is actually like it's good you know yeah it's a human experience that's good that everyone should be able to experience yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah for sure yeah I'd I'd be down to talk (laughs) yeah (laughs) me too whatever you've gone through or anyone listening (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you just graduated with your BA that's amazing what did you what did you study 
I know um, talked so about what you're going into for graduate school, but I don't know what you actually graduated with this time. <laughs> yes. So I have a, it's actually a B, I got a BS, a bachelor's of science in social science. So it was a family life degree in human development. Okay. So I wanted to be a child life specialist. <laughs> so I wanted to be like the person that like puts IVs in the bears and teaches the kids like how IVs work and Aww. how they're work. But then I was like, I actually like don't like being in hospitals that much. <laughs> or like I don't like throw up. I don't like all that kind of stuff <laughs> very much. So then I realized I really like social science research. So I was thinking of my my career goals right now are to pursue like uh, higher education. So I'll probably get a doctorate and do some research. I really want to research like extra fee patients and help them like socially. I feel like there's a lot of research medically and a lot of talk medically, but not a lot of social talk. Yep. 100%. That's why I started the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's great. I'm so happy you started because I was thinking of doing a podcast like literally like five months ago. I was like, I should do a podcast. And then I like tried doing like one episode and then I was like, I can't do a podcast. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's scary. It's hard. It's a lot of work. And it's just something that was not in the cards for me at that time. But I'm really grateful that you're doing this. Thanks. I think it'll help a lot of people. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, do you have anything else you want to say or any other fun stories for us? <laughs> well, I guess, well, like at the end of my bachelor's, I just did like a project on gender and extra fee. So that was really interesting because I had like over 20 people respond to my like form. And I found that a lot of people with extra fee like really struggle with how their genitalia looks and how they feel about it and like don't talk to people about it and feel very unique. And I feel like that was a big thing that was like one of the biggest things for me growing up. And we didn't really talk about it except in medical terms. Mm -hmm. So that's something I'm interested in studying more about and figuring out how to like process personally and help others process. So I guess that's my, my thing that I'm thinking about currently. (laughs) I really like that because I think it's just one of those things that like anything below the belt is so uncomfortable to talk about that it's just not talked about, but like that causes so much more damage. Yeah. Like not talking about it part. (laughs) Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. Like I remember when I was going to get my vaginal plasty when I was 16, my like mom went with me to the appointment and after we were going to meet my dad at like habit burger or something (laughs) and talk about it. I remember sitting there like, my dad was like, how was the appointment? And I was like, good. (laughs) And I, and it was a very short, brief conversation. And like, I went through sex ed at school and it was just like different because I was different and it made me wonder a bunch of stuff. And like, I knew people were trying, like knew it was issue. Like at youth rally, they had like a 16 and older conversation and they're like, if you have any questions, like ask her like, but I feel like I didn't really know the questions to ask. Yeah. 
turned into a lot of people just sharing really scary personal experiences and terrified me more. Yeah. So I'm like, I feel like there's a lot of places where we can improve and help each other, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for reaching out. I love it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Body Talk with Bex. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Kylie about bladder extrophy. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts at. Also consider becoming a patron on patreon.com. We just rolled out some new great stickers for patrons also available on the website. If you would like to share your story or know someone who would like to, I can be contacted through my website, www.bodytalkwithbex.com or on social media. Thanks for listening.